0: Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. From the first epistle of Peter, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Well, for the third time, since my confirmation as an Anglican, which was only five years ago, by the way, I have been asked to preach on Mother's Day. I have some lingering suspicions that this is actually a test as to whether or not my Baptist roots have completely taken to the new soil. As if someone is saying, if he could just preach an entire Mother's Day sermon without mentioning it, then we will know that the operation was successful. Speaking of Baptist roots, this is a rather dangerous place for me to be preaching here. But I'll, I'll try my best, especially with these nice wings I have. Too late, I suppose, on not mentioning Mother's Day. Better luck next year if I am tasked with it again. Of course, I know that this is truly the fifth Sunday of Easter. And I also recognize how dicey it is to refer to a Sunday as Mother's Day or Father's Day, literally anyone's day, since it is, after all, first and foremost, the Lord's Day. For the first time this year, I came across mention of uh, the term Mothering Sunday, which is the equivalent in the UK, only with some richer theological roots. For one, I think the verb avoids the problem I just mentioned of proclaiming this as someone else's day. Moreover, the history of the term has to do not with brunches and thoughtful gifts, which are fine, good things, but rather with the recognition of that radical reality that for the Christian, our true mother is the church. Lastly, Mothering Sunday takes place in Lent as opposed to Eastertide, which from all the mothers I know, is more in keeping with the way they actually feel about their vocation. A journey of long-suffering endurance that hopefully leads to something good, albeit on the other side of the crucible that is childbearing and parenting. I think that this idea, this idea of mothering, is something that we all know about. At least, I think it is in part what it means to be human to hold something hidden within ourselves until it is at last ready to be brought into the world. I don't think that idea belittles motherhood. Rather, I think it shows just how central this vocation is for each of us. For all of us not only have mothers, but each and every one of us is invited to participate in this act of mothering for the life of the world. Of course, we know that the fruit born by mothering, is, it's not always good. Now, no doubt life is, in and of itself, of incomparable value, of unquestionable good. And the scriptures and Christian testimony attest clearly to this. To, to bring it up for debate, to question it, is to leave behind Christian thinking altogether. Yet we know that being a mother does not automatically make one a saint. There are countless stories, whole contorted lives that should make us wary of seeing such a day through a lens of saccharine sweetness. Even the most well-meaning mother can hurt their children in unimaginable ways. Some of you may very well have been abused or neglected or utterly decimated by words and actions of the very person who bore you into this life, and I'm sorry if that's the case. A mother, perhaps more than any other vocation, has the capacity to shape a life. But what sort of life? This is the question that we all ought to be asking ourselves. For if we are indeed called to a kind of mothering, then we are fully capable of warping this calling as we warp everything else. When that which we hold hidden in ourselves belongs to the dominion of evil, then when it comes time to give birth to it, we can't be surprised at how terrible that day is. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, Peter says. What sort of offspring will wickedness produce? What will come of a lifetime of hate just stating just below the surface, growing as it is nourished by feeding on our very souls? It looks like lots of things, but it can't not look like what happened in Georgia this past February that so many of you saw about this week as I did when two white men saw black men running in their neighborhood and malice had been allowed to fester for so long that its final revelation meant murder and its birth into the world meant death for a fellow human being. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice. Get rid of it. Peter's not suggesting. He's not asking. He's demanding. Root it out. Toss it into the fire before it brings destruction on another's head and ultimately on your own. Also rid yourself of deceit. Stop lying. Stop lying to yourself. Hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Some of us need to get off social media if we're going to have any chance at this. Some of us already have, and it hasn't done us much good. You see, all these forces conspire against us. They are the offspring of Satan that wants to be born through us. They're of the rebellious anti-kingdom that longs to come to bear in our life, to destroy us, to destroy our community, to destroy our very world. Let it lay hidden. Keep your sin and brokenness tucked away in some secret compartment. Compartment, deny it all you want, but know that the day of reckoning will come where all of this will be put on display. It's been difficult not to let things fester lately, hasn't it? Has for me. All but impossible not to let negative thoughts and emotions cloud our minds and suffuse our hearts. Tucked away in our houses, in our apartments. How many like how many of you like me have, have felt anger? How many have felt envy? How many have spoken aloud things which they ought not to have said? I have. And what is the alternative? Well this past Friday was the feast of Julian of Norwich. It's optional in our book of Common Prayer, but I'm going to tell you, if ever there was a time to look to Julian, this is it. This is her hour. She was an anchoress, meaning that she was anchored to the church, meaning that she literally had a room built onto the church, and she went in there, and she stayed there for the rest of her life, only being taken out to be buried. And she did this during the time of plague. Sound familiar? Relatable? More so than it was a few months ago. You know, Julian was very interested in the idea of something large, just incredibly, impossibly large, being held mysteriously in something seemingly infinitesimally small. Of course, given her decision to spend decades of her life within a single room, we can certainly imagine why. She most famously looked at a hazelnut, just a little hazelnut, and she heard God saying to her, it is all that is made. This little hazelnut in her hand, hearing God say, it is all that is made. Certainly mothers must feel something similar to this when life begins to grow within them. It's, it's so small, and yet the potential is staggering. An entire lifetime held within, waiting to be born. All that a person is, all that any of us are. Our, our minutes, our hours, our days, our months, our years contained. Julian is, of course, also well known for her exploration of the character of God as a mother. And she sees this character coming to bear most fully in the person of Jesus. In one passage, she writes this, beautifully, also connecting to this idea of seeing something small within something large. She writes of one of her revelations, one of these visions she received. She says, you know, the mother can lay the child tenderly to her breast. But our tender mother, Jesus, he can lead us into his blessed breast through his sweet open side and show within part of the Godhead and the joys of heaven with spiritual certainty of endless bliss. This was shown in my 10th revelation. Giving the same understanding in the sweet words where he says. Look how I love you. Looking into his side and rejoicing. Here we see the entire cosmos inside Jesus' Wound, and as strange as it may seem at first glance, herein lies the Christian hope. That in the man Jesus, all things hold together. That our life, that mine and yours, is hidden with Christ in God. That a new creation is coming, indeed we can see it even now, and it is born from the victory of God on the cross. And that there has never been a more fruitful womb than Easter Sunday's empty tomb. Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. One night I told Catherine just how staggering I find the whole process of motherhood. As a husband, you just sort of get to stand by and look in and and be amazed to watch as she gives her body, her very life, for someone else as she feeds them with the milk that comes from that body, the body which carried them for nine months, the body that pays the price that is anything but nice and neat. It's brutal. It's bloody. It's messy. It doesn't fit on a Hallmark card. friends, this is, what, this is what Jesus does for us. 1 Peter 1, 1.3, that if any of you read it uh, in family prayer, my family and I have been doing the family prayer, which is a great addition to the book of common prayer. It doesn't take very long if you have little children. And one of the verses that you're able to read, you can read it every day, or there's three verses there, you can rotate through them. But one is 1 Peter 1, 1.3, where he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So there Peter is telling us in that first chapter, we've been born anew, we've been born again through Jesus' resurrection. And now he's telling us in the second chapter, We're to be like newborn babies, craving pure spiritual milk. And friends, he's not imagining here a bottle of formula. What he's saying is that you and I, who've been given life through Jesus, ought now to crave the life of Jesus so that we may grow up into our salvation. For mothering, it means more than birth. It means caring for and cultivating. It means nurturing and nursing. Jesus gives us Himself. And He offers us more than milk. He offers us His very blood. And He's offering Himself to you even now. And He doesn't just want to save you. He wants to grow you up. In short, He wants to be Our mother. Will you let him? Will we let him? We who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Julian's most famous quote is arguably her most motherly. I hear it as the words of a mother, but these words that we attribute to her are words that she attributes to Jesus. She said she heard Jesus saying these words to her. And so now I want you to hear them as the words Jesus is speaking to you now. Wherever you are, whether you're here, whether you're at home, these are the words that Jesus wants to say. Imagine yourself leaning against his breast as the beloved disciple did. Take a moment and imagine yourself, just imagine yourself as the one whom Jesus loves because because you are. and leaning against his chest and hearing his heart beating. No matter no matter any of it, no matter how much you've let slander or envy or malice contort your heart in these days, no matter if you're a mother or you're called to mothering in some other way, no matter if you had a good mother or bad mother or somewhere in between, no matter where you are, listen as he whispers these words over you, all shall be well. All shall be well. And all manner of thing shall be well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.